Renaturing is bringing together all of the pieces of who we are at the deepest, most natural level to a cohesive, conscious whole. This means stripping away what we learned but doesn't serve us anymore. It means learning, relearning who we are and how to trust that. Because once we have that knowledge and trust, we get to be who we were always meant to be. It feels like freedom or coming home. It feels like predestiny because we stray so far becoming denatured in our effort to become modern day humans. I'm Betsy Kudlinski. I learned how to be a modern human. I did it and had all the things I was supposed to, but I was desperately sick and unhappy, lost. I felt trapped in a cage, but I couldn't see the bars. Some part of me knew this was wrong. I knew I was meant for more, or at least something different. How could life possibly be about miserably trudging along until I died? This podcast is about the essential pieces in the process of renaturing. It's only about me in as much as my story can be helpful as a material example of renaturing. Really, it's about you and all of us. Return to your nature. Hey, so today I want to talk about creativity. Now, I need I need to clarify that when I'm talking about creativity, I'm kind of talking about living one's life creatively. I don't mean painting, although painting is awesome. And if that's how you get into being creative, paint or sketch or um, break things and put them back together in weird ways. Um, actually, that's a apt metaphor for... <laughs> How I've taken towards doing my um, living my life creatively is just kind of breaking all of the paradigms that I had set for myself and then trying to decide how to put them back in a way that makes more sense for me. <laughs> That's interesting. Don't you love how minds work? Um, so uh, creativity has been something that I've heard a ton about recently. Um, I... I recently participated in a class that was about cultivating creativity. And um, I, I just keep hearing about creativity and, and being creative. And it's certainly incredibly important for living one's life. Um, and I was really interested in where my mind went when I was preparing for this podcast episode. I was thinking, I've been thinking about um, creativity in the artistic sense. I grew up um, as an artistic child, um, young adult. And, um, and so when I think of creativity, I think of being artistic, coming up with cool ideas, or being a writer and coming up with cool ideas. Or, uh, but in one way or another, um, doing a career, right? Being creative within a box. <laughs> container. So um, being a writer, being an artist, being a, a digital digital artist or a landscape architect or an architect or, you know, like all of those things are careers. And what, what that demonstrates very specifically is my own bias, my own programming that shows that everything has to fit in a box. In order to be creative, you have to have a creative career. If you don't have a creative career, then you are not creative. And it it just is a full demonstration of how I have lived my life up until fairly recently. Um, 
when I had to shatter it all, <laughs> build it from scratch. And now, now I, I've created a stained glass life where it's a little bit kooky, <laughs> still works for me. So um, the way that I talk, the way that I do these podcast episodes is also a demonstration of my creativity. My brain doesn't necessarily work in a linear fashion the way that, you know, my high school English teachers taught me to write, right? Um, I can certainly come together and pull everything together and do rewrites and do outlines and make it make everything cohesive and in a specific timeline. And especially when I'm excited and enthusiastic, passionate about something, my brain doesn't work like that. And what I have found recently is that it doesn't have to. It's kind of crazy. Some people that listen to this podcast are going to go, what the hell is she talking about? I just can't even understand it. And they'll turn off the podcast. And other people are going to go, wow, that's really cool. And they're going to be able to follow even though when I listen back to these episodes, I'm like, God, you can't even understand what I'm talking about. Um, but it's it's an example of how we all work differently. And we're all shaped and programmed to work the exact same way um like the english language um with with the advent of social media this, this past um year i guess i heard something about how um how awful it is and how we shouldn't judge people and change um correct people's grammar and spelling and stuff on social media because not everybody learns it and i am a voracious reader and I like to write and I have a pretty big vocabulary and that rubbed me all kinds of wrong to say that we we're just supposed to adapt and adopt how other people mess around with the language and we're just supposed to figure out okay there's no comma there what what did they actually mean all right we're just supposed to just get what they mean and 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 just go with it and so I think what it what what it will do long term possibly is make it so that we are far more selective who we pay attention to and who we listen to like listening to this podcast if you can follow me if your brain works in a similar fashion to mine and follow what i'm saying and if you can't then you don't follow me you don't listen you don't pay attention to what i'm saying because there are other people who are saying things in a way that is more understandable and resonant to you. So all of that jumble of language <laughs> to say, um, I'm doing this podcast creatively in my own way. And, um, and I would suggest that everybody live their life in their own way. And it's hard because I know I was never taught to do anything my own way. I was taught to do everything, or at least I learned and um, I'm not sure if I have talked about that, the difference between uh, how we're taught and how we learn. Have I ever said anything about that, Brian? Mm, trying to think if you said anything like that on the show. I, I, rem I can remember conversations that we've had, but I'm not yeah. So the way that the way that we have uh, our own, you know, our, our true nature, our personality, our um, how we have 
put ourselves together. And that includes all of our program and in programming and includes all of our trauma adaptations and all the things that I've talked about for you know, eight episodes. Um, those things go um, kind of come together to make us learn things and internalize things differently than somebody else who's getting the exact same material. So I can't say, well, my parents taught me to do everything exactly the way that they told me to do it. I can't say that because I don't have a clue what they actually expected that they were teaching me. That's what I learned. I learned to do everything perfectly. And if you can't do it perfectly, then don't do it. Don't bother trying if you're not gonna be able to do it perfectly. And um, I think it's one of the reasons why I have changed jobs several times because there's a, like, the, there's a, window of time when you start a new job or when you start a new place and you're learning like you're allowed to not get everything right you're allowed to be learning and to try stuff and be fascinated and curious and then once that envelope is closed once that window of time is over you have to be perfect i have to be perfect i can't get anything wrong and i also can't admit that i don't know any or don't know everything and so um, when I talk about uh, our programming, when I talk about what I was taught, I really, I try to be careful in my language and make sure that I'm specifically saying it's what I learned. Um, because I can't assign, I, I can't knowledgeably assign um, intent to really anybody other than myself. And even, even what I intend, I, I don't know that that's actually true. I could do something like have a reaction, jump down somebody's throat um, and look at it in retrospect and assign intent. And it could be <clears throat> for something completely else. It could have been because I had just stubbed my toe and then somebody said something to me and I jumped down their throat when it, in reality, you know, like afterwards, I'm like, I think it's because I said something nasty. So I learned with all of my um, personality and my programming and um, who, who I became because of my experiences, I learned to do everything exactly one way. And that what we need to do in this life, in this culture is um, go to school, learn a career, do that career, make money, have a family, and then retire and die. Somewhere in there, I have this concept that we're supposed to enjoy life, but that is not in the criteria as far as I'm concerned. Um, if you didn't pick the right career in order to enjoy a part of life, then you're SOL. You're not, get, you don't get to enjoy. And I had already decided I wasn't going to have kids. So the whole family thing was out. Um, and I've already mentioned that I have changed jobs. I, I have had a series of different jobs. And so I failed there. Like, and I, I just find that if I go by the way that I learned to live, which is rote, mechanical, and assigned practically at birth, we ask three-year-olds, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, I failed. <laughs> I have absolutely failed. I definitely am never going to be able to retire because I've had several different jobs. And I think part, part of that, part of how I learned this is because I learned how to, how to adult from baby boomers. 
and a little bit Gen X, but mostly baby boomers. And I was, that's how they lived. They went to school, they got a career, they had a family, they retire and they die. That's what you do. And I believe that the generation that gave birth me, and I don't really fit in a generation, but um, they wanted us to be happy. They, you know, they, American culture, kind of, we have this, uh, along with the American dream, we always have this like idea that our kids will have it better than we did. And we keep trying to create a life that's better for our kids. And that went all to hell in the last 40 years <laughs> of my life. So um, things are really different. And so I would actually be super interested to know if like the real millennials, I don't quite fit into a millennial um, time frame. If the real millennials and the, the succeeding generations um, feel that that is what you're supposed to do. Go to school, you get a career, you have a family, you retire and then you die. I, I would be interested to know whether that is what is internalized now or what was internalized 20 years ago. Um, so this doesn't sound like it has anything to do with creativity or living life creatively. But my feeling is that I cut myself off at the knees personally. I mean, I, I, we can only ever talk about ourselves, right? Like I can make um, suppositions about what your life was like, Brian. And I don't know you from Adam comparatively, right? So I can make suppositions about your life and the decisions you made and the um, what you learned to be and to care about. But I can really only speak specifically about myself. And I, when I was thinking about living creatively, um, because it's kind of in my head that we, um, we always think about creativity as art. And I mentioned that I was artistic growing up. I took every single class in school, in uh, grade school and high school, that could possibly have anything to do with art. And I took um, ceramics and jewelry making and painting and like all kinds of different um, classes outside of school as well. Um, and then when I went to decide on what I was going to do with myself, where I was going to go to college after high school, I decided to go into animals instead of art school. And that points to two really uh, telling decisions in my life. So I decided not to go to art school. And what that meant to me at that time, like the thought process was, oh, I love art, but it's not as important to me as animals are. I went to school for animal science. And um, what it meant was that I made decision after decision after decision, choice after choice. Okay, I'm not going to go to art school. I'm not going to take any classes in college that have anything to do with art. I'm not going to pick up a paintbrush to do it for fun because I decided against art. Um, but it means that when I think about creativity now, the only thing I can think about for myself is writing. And I can think with longing about how I used to like art. I used to like doing art. And that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's 
absolutely ridiculous because as i've said what i what i consider creativity is living creatively and so i kind of decided after high school at the end of high school that i was no longer going to be creative apparently that's what i internalized that if you don't do art if you don't pick one of those careers like i mentioned earlier that is artistic you turn away from creativity so that sucks. The other decision that I made at that time was that I already knew I didn't want to be a veterinarian. So I said, I love, love animals with like all of my being. And um, I decided I didn't want to be a veterinarian for a few reasons, none of which matter. But what does matter is that, you know, I had six years, like two years, like I decided like maybe junior year of high school that I didn't want to be a veterinarian. So through the last couple years of high school, and then through all four years of college, I decided again and again and again, okay, I'm not going to be a veterinarian, you know? And then I was smug because there's only like 15 vet schools in the U.S. and they're ridiculously hard to get into. And so I had tons of friends who were trying to get into vet school. And, um, you know, I knew I didn't have to worry quite as much about my grades because I wasn't getting into vet school. I didn't have to worry about taking microbiology because I didn't have to worry about getting to vet school, like all these things. But when you're asked at three years old or at five years old, what you want to do when you grow up and you like animal, the only thing that there is, is to be a veterinarian. Kind of like if you don't have an artist, like if you're not an artiste, you are not creative. If you are not going to be a veterinarian, that's the only really legitimate career like career, you can have jobs, but being a veterinarian is the only legitimate career where you make money and you can do that thing, right? That thing that I was talking about of going to school, getting a career, having a family, retiring, and then dying. You need a career for that. And everything else is a job. So <laughs> I have had a ton of jobs that have to do with animals. I've been a zookeeper. I've managed a pet store. I have um, worked at an assortment of farms with animals. I um, have walked dogs for a living. I have pet sat and worked at like a doggy daycare. Like, oh, oh and then and then horse farms. Never mind all the horse farms I've worked at. Um, and none of these are careers, right? Like, so did I decide in high school? that I was not going to do the one thing that one needed to do in order to have a legitimate career where one made money. And all the decisions after that, did I decide that I was never going to have money? Just completely ignoring the fact that there are plenty of people out there. Like, I mean, you know, the only the only people I saw were the celebrity ones, like um, Marty Stouffer. It's like the 80s, I think, right? He, was, he did uh, Wild America. Do you have any idea, Brian? I don't remember names, but I remember the show. <laughs> <laughs> I so remember that because, you know, animals, nature. Oh, my God, this was my life. Um, but, you know, and then and then Steve Irwin and Cesar Milan. And hmm. uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of other people. But, you know, they made money, right? Like right. they made actual money, probably more than a veterinarian. I don't know. I have no idea. But. I had this thought that in deciding I wasn't going to be a veterinarian, I would never have money. And I wonder if that's why never have. I have to look outside the animal box in order to even consider making money. It's an interesting thought. Kind of like I don't have an artistic 
job or career and therefore I don't live creatively. So I had to smash it all. <laughs> I had to question everything. And this is just all part of the renaturing process is getting rid of all the things that don't serve you anymore. Like the vow that I made to myself again and again and again that I wasn't going to be a veterinarian so I wasn't going to make any money. It doesn't that's of course not what I was thinking when I decided not to be a veterinarian because I went into animals anyway, you know, and I was I've always been um ambitious, we could say. So it wasn't a conscious thought, but because of the other things that I had learned and the fact that being a veterinarian is the only real true animal career that there is that's legitimate. Turning away from that was turning away from legitimacy, which kind of sucks. Brian, have you do you have anything in your life that you that you kind of decided on and then it shaped? I mean, I'm I'm putting you on the spot because we didn't talk about this like in, yeah. uh, too long ago. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Hey. I'm <laughs> um. Yeah. I. You know, as I think back, and you know, I'm Gen X, and you know, growing up being you know directed by the boomers as far as that mindset of like you said you've you've got to go to school get educated you know get get a good job big uh, two story house white picket fence two kids dog whatever i fought against that for a long time in my teens and i was pretty rebellious and i would say i was creative i lived creatively um I was, you know, moved out of my parents' house at 16. I ran away to Florida. I did some kind of crazy stretch things as a teenager that you wouldn't expect a teenager to do. But then when I looked to kind of settle down and figure out, you know, what was the next step, like when I got to that point uh, at the age of about 21, when I said, okay, I've got to figure out what it means to be an adult mm -hmm. at this point. I bought into the mm. job, good job, like good, well-paying job. Mm -hmm. um, at the time I was managing a restaurant and I loved that job. The, mm -hmm. the, the pay was terrible, but I loved the job because the people yeah. I got to work with and we had fun and we did all kinds of silly stuff, you know, after, uh, you know, playing baseball with aluminum foil and a, and a giant whisk that we'd use for <laughs> mixing sauces and whatever. But, um, when I bought into the to the lie and said, you know, you must do this, mm -hmm. I joined, I got a corporate job and I looked to climb that corporate ladder and I chased the money and, and I did that for 22 years and yeah. became absolutely miserable because at least at, in the corporate environment I worked in, it was very much, you did it their way. There was a specific right. way to do it. You didn't have a whole lot of room for creativity. Right. And then I decided to break out of that mold. And so really at this point in my life, I'm, I'm rediscovering that yeah. creative side of me. I'm figuring out what it is I like to do. My attachment with money has um, dissipated for the most part. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't mind having a million dollars in the bank and, you know, having a nice condo overlooking the ocean, but I, that doesn't fuel me anymore. Now, loving life is what fuels me. So I've kind of had an ebb and flow with it as far as, you know, what I bought into. And and I feel a lot more free now that um, because, you know, financially, you know, I, you know, I went bankrupt at mm -hmm. a point 
And so the money was gone. Uh, credit cards were gone. Mm-hmm. And um, as scary as that was, it was so freeing in that it was something I didn't have to worry about. Yep. And yeah, so I mean, I'm, you know, I write, I podcast, I do, you know, different ways to express my, that, that artistic creative side of me. Yeah. And yeah, that's just my, I I hope to live the rest of my days just following my passions other than the the mold. Yeah. And you were talking about millennials. I think that's where they kind of, at least my experience with the millennial generation, especially in the corporate world is they didn't stay anywhere very long. Mm-hmm. They'd get the job, they'd be there a year, and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. As they, they were on to the next adventure, you know, mm-hmm. what was the next step? And um, so of course, I kind for of... For me, it was written in stone. You had to have three years on a resume. If you didn't have three yeah. years on a resume, it was into the world. Oh, yeah. You, you you had to have experience. You couldn't have tattoos, couldn't have piercings. Yeah. <laughs> That's all out the window now. Yeah. Every, like, there's people living their true creative lives, and they're just not giving a shit as far as the mold they've done broke it so yeah whereas for me and you i would guess we have to re relearn how Mm -hmm. to be how to be us now and and i imagine that there are plenty of millennials that also get stuck oh yeah have to relearn i mean i think that that'll be a like a human condition forever and ever is that you get yourself twisted around and you lose yourself right for me i was i was talking to my mom about I don't remember whether it was about this podcast or whether it was about another opportunity that I've been thinking about. And she, she, she just said something about my tone and how happy I sounded. And I was like, yeah, I'm chirpy. I'm chirpy like a little sparrow. And I love being chirpy. Like it, it's just like, it's effervescent. It's babbling like a brook. Like I'm not making any sense when I'm talking on these podcasts and I'm having so much fun. This is so awesome. Talking about my stuff and figuring out my life. And this is awesome. And I, I'm using that as a tool. Like that is how I'm learning to live creatively is by noticing when I sound chirpy. When I sound like a little sparrow and when I sound like a stream and like babbling along happily making no sense to anybody but myself. And I'm like, okay, those are the things I need to do. I I just literally need to do more of those things because I'm happy. And there's something to be said for being happy. Am I right? (laughs) Yeah, there's. It's ridiculous to think that we're supposed to like I learned to go through life not happy inserting enjoyment in there somewhere maybe could right well one week a year right don't right exactly one and, week and a you're year, supposed you to make to all this yourself. money to enjoy yourself and i'm like but i don't make any money so i can't enjoy it like there's nothing there's nothing for me to live for i mean it's there's nothing i got suicidal for a reason there was nothing for me to live mm-hmm. for i had wrung everything out of my life that was good and fun when i was married i had like I stopped being funny. I stopped using my full vocabulary. I stopped doing any of the things that were even interesting to me, never mind fun, because I had learned, right? I had learned to do what he was interested in with the understanding that he would then be interested in my stuff because that's what you're supposed to partner. And he didn't. He wasn't. He didn't reciprocate. And therefore, I lost myself completely. And continued to drive myself, have a job and make money so that I could have the house and the dogs, not the kids. And I also went bankrupt because there's just no, like you, 
<laughs> I run yeah. out of words. It doesn't work. It just this, doesn't work to do life the way that we were taught. And the sad thing is when we, when people go bankrupt, which I think happens more and more and more as as we try to break out us those of us in our middle years, you know, um, not only do we go bankrupt financially, but we go bankrupt emotionally, mentally, yeah. physically oh God, sometimes. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, I went bankrupt and then it was five, six years later that I was suicidal. Like this was, these things were not connected. Like it, I just continued to go downhill after that. Like there, there's just, I learned the wrong way. And I can't, I can't blame it on my parents and my teachers because, you know, I mean, my, my mom was an author. Like she had one of those creative careers. She didn't work nine to five. Like there's, there's no excuse for me to decide that I was taught to follow all the rules. I learned to follow all the rules, but I can't say I was taught by them that that was their point. I don't know. Like it's, a, it's just this huge combination of all of the things that we're, we go through <laughs> combined with our personality to create we become and i, I mean i i kind of wonder brian i wonder how many people actually become something that they're good with for the rest of their lives yeah graveyards I mean, I know, are, huh I, I was gonna say graveyards are full of could have been should have been yeah yeah and i mean i don't know anybody who's my contemporary or younger who didn't go through some sort of crisis like it it didn't have to be as bad but you know maybe that's just a rite of passage maybe it's the way our culture teaches us maybe it's a rite of passage that we have to figure out to live life for for life and not for well it is a fairly new concept only introduced i'd say in about the 90s is when when i first saw people stop chasing the perception that you had to live like your grandparents and you could actually do what you wanted to do. And it's getting better and better with each passing year. Um, so the generations to come, I mean, maybe they're back to their primitive states, come out and, you know, just do whatever you want to do. I'm pretty jaded. I imagine that there's going to be something else with them. Yeah, it, it, we'll see. I don't know. different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. We're still we're still kind of new to this, but you know, mental health crisis is becoming more and more prevalent and more and more talked about, and I think a lot of that stems from we lose ourselves in the ideas of people that are still living concepts developed in the 30s and 40s when the country was uh, financially depressed and war was raging on, you know, we're not there anymore. And then influenced by, I mean, this gets into like po political stuff, but it yeah. influenced by, you know, the American, the mm -hmm. thought that we can be anything we want to be influenced by the thought of trickle down economics, that that is supposed to work. You know, I mean, every, we're just so influenced by everything that goes on, you know what I mean? So, so, so yeah, we, we are a product of the pre-war generations, right? The depression era, the silent generation, the, um, but each, each generation builds on or rejects like the ones that came before. And so I, I don't know. I, I don't it's, I think it's ever that easy, you know, and then we add our own flavor and our own character and personality and combination of things. I, um, I was talking to my mom yesterday about um, the stuff that's talked about now. 
um, you know, this was like political stuff, like um, um, police uh, biases and um, white supremacy biases, like all of how the country works and um, the Me Too movement and the the fact that all of these things didn't just appear. It's just that they're talked about now. And I think that that's actually, I mean, this this sounds artificial to like bring it full circle, but I know that I have not been able to figure out how to live creatively without questioning everything in my life. And I think maybe, maybe we have to question, maybe we have to bring actual words and um, light to dark areas in order for us to free ourselves from anything. Because if we're trapped within these biases and ways of living and doing things and speaking about things, um, stereotypes and isms, <laughs> um, if we just live within those unquestioningly without ever considering how we feel about stuff or how other people feel, then we never, we're never creative. Like you think about artists and how artists are stereotypically different right they don't think like normal people you you know give them a wide berth cuz they look weird and they act weird and they and 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 is that because they artists you know like people who actually are creative don't take anything at face value and i don't know about you but i obviously lived and took everything value like what i was and i just bought it all and maybe it's the idea that i don't have to swallow it all whole i don't have to buy it all in order to live and in in fact if i do just do everything i'm told it didn't work it got me suicidal i did everything the way that i thought that i was supposed to do and i wanted to die that is not okay <laughs> we need more than that in our lives i think i don't know about you i think that as we see her talk about it i, I remember back and i think the best piece of advice i've ever gotten in my life came from a five-year-old and I was a kid, I was a little bit older and I had a cousin, young cousin, and we're at grandma's house and we're coloring, laying next to each other side by side. And I'm coloring in my coloring book and she's coloring in her coloring book. And I look over and she's just, she's just got a mess on her page. And I'm like, no, no, see, look at mine. You're supposed to color inside of the lines. Mm -hmm. Everything goes inside a lot. And she looked at me kind of side-eyed and she's like, not in my picture and i'm like okay i mean as a kid i didn't recognize it but now as an adult i think back to that i think she had the right concept yeah color your picture however you want to color it damn it yeah yeah so for me that means figuring out where i'm chirpy badly mm -hmm. and just doing more of that like just quite literally doing more of what makes me chirpy Support this podcast through the link in the episode description and get a chance to hear post-episode conversations. Help me decide on content and future guests. Ask questions, get answers. In the meantime, check out my website. Links can also be found in the description. I'm a freedom guide. If what I'm talking about, about renaturing and freedom and walking your own path, makes you tingle all over or cry or jump up and down, I'm available and would be delighted to work one-on-one -on -one with you.